This is episode three of six. We are closing out the American League by talking about the AL West tonight. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. And somebody roll the intro music. Welcome back. It's Joe coming back at you with episode three of six. We are halfway through the mini series that details the upcoming MLB season. Closing it out tonight with the AL West for the American League. If you guys don't know how this is done, go ahead and take a step back and look at the AL East or the AL Central. If you don't want to do that, basically you're going to pick up on how this goes along. So let's just go ahead and dive on into it. We're going to start off with who I expect to be at the top of the division. It's going to be Houston. Outside of that, I'm just going to kind of go by what comes to mind. But Houston's going to be first. And we take a step back and we look at last year. And Houston still played really well and made it to the ALCS. And really kind of underperformed. Injuries were partly to blame last year for Carlos Correa and Jose Altuve not really playing the best. They've had time to get healthy again and... Should be coming into the season pretty ready for it. I do expect to see at least a bounce back year. They weren't, they didn't have terrible years last year, but they did have subpar years last year. So now coming back fully healthy will hopefully help the Astros kind of take another step and possibly see another Red Sox Astros matchup in the NLCS. One thing to kind of question for them coming into the season is they do have co-aces. They've got Garrett Cole and Justin Verlander, but then after that, the starting rotation is kind of Kind of a mystery. There's no real big step-up pitcher that can do anything. And they do have some good pitchers. They have Colin McHugh. He was really good out of the bullpen. And he's probably going to take over the number three or four spot in their rotation. But outside of that, these three, four, and five pitchers are going to be very interesting to see who steps in, who fills in. They do have a hard thrower in Josh James, who he he was good down the stretch last year, and it's possible that he does step up into a position. We don't really know how this is going to shake out for them down the road, but that is something to look at. I mean, a healthy Altuve and Correa is big, but you still have to look at the starting rotation. If you don't have pitchers that can go out and win you games, you're going to be struggling no matter what your offense does. And something else to kind of look at, they didn't re-sign Evan Gaddis, at least at least as of now, they have not. It's possible that as time gets closer, they do re-sign him. So that's going to be interesting because they do lose that DH spot. And it's not impossible to fill. However, it is going to be tough to fill something like what they got from Evan Gaddis. They did sign Michael Brantley. So that'll be interesting because they have Michael Brantley and Josh Reddick. Both are kind of injury prone and they do have their history of injury. So... If they can stay healthy for a full season, that just shores up that outfield more than it already was. That's really all I have for the Astros. They do look like they're in pretty good position to at least remain atop of this division for another year. I don't really think anyone threatens them for the division title, especially not if everyone stays healthy and then they can at least get a solid three pitcher in that lineup until they get that solid three or four starting pitcher. I don't necessarily think they're going to be World Series winners, but they definitely could become World Series contenders once they get those pitchers and World Series winners on top of that. So next we're going to kind of hop, we're going to hop around. We're going to hop over to the West Coast, over to the LA Angels. And the big question mark of last year coming into the season for the Angels was Shohei Otani. They dished out the money. They were ready to do all this stuff. They were ready to pay him. He goes out. He, he does decent. He doesn't do super well, but then 
He ends up getting hurt. He had elbow surgery. He's not going to pitch at all this upcoming season. However, he can still swing the bat. He did a fantastic job at the plate. He hit 22 home runs throughout 326 at-bats last year. With no pitching on the table for him this year, it's going to be interesting to see how he focuses on the offensive aspect of his game and see if he's able to get that step up from where he was last year. They did sign Matt Harvey, so that'll be interesting because he's going to get a fresh start. And I I always had hope that Matt Harvey would continue to do well, watching him pitch in New York and everything. And I, I was always holding on to hope that he would come back to it at some point and be a solid pitcher. So hopefully we're able to see him continue his success that he did have a little bit late last year. He did have his best K-9 rate last season since 2015. He had posted a 7.6 K-9 rate, so he did show some improvement. Hopefully he will continue to improve for this team, especially considering they lost Garrett Richards. And the other thing is they did they did sign Justin Bohr, so... It's nice to have someone behind Justin Upton and Mike Trout in this lineup as a power bat, but he does have a little bit of an issue batting against left-handed pitchers. I wouldn't be surprised to see him platooned out there. I wouldn't be surprised to not see him out there as frequently as you're going to see players like Trout or Justin Upton. However, just having that bat in the games, at least he's going to see at least half the season playing, no doubt about it. So having that bat will be huge for them. And I do think that from what we saw last year, I do think the Angels finally start to take a step up. I think they're still at least one year out from actually challenging for a playoff spot and being dangerous in this division. But I do see some good things coming for the Angels, especially with Otani hopefully getting back to full health on pitching, but also being able to focus a lot more on his batting and the differences really that occur between where he was playing overseas compared to here. Because there are a little bit of difference in types of ball used and the way the pitchers are and everything. So hopefully hopefully we see the step forward for them. One team I see taking a step back is going to be the Oakland A's. So I'm going to hit on them next. First off, sad face. They're not going to get Kyler Murray. He's going to the NFL. Kind of expected it. But we do see Chris Davis. He's finished. This is an amazing stat I saw and had to bring it up. Talk about a model of consistency. Chris Davis is finished with a .247 batting average. Three straight years. Oh, sorry. Four straight years. He's done that four straight years, not three. That That is insane. He has had the exact same batting average four straight years. The last three years is when he's hit 40 home runs at least and driven in at least 100 runs. So four years of, a, of the same batting average, 100 plus RBIs and 40 home runs each of the past three seasons. Obviously, he's a big bat in this lineup, and as consistency goes, you can't get any more consistent than what he has. I think he's going to at least be able to continue to be consistent and help this A's team stay above the 500 mark. I don't necessarily know if they're going to be competing for a playoff spot like we saw them last year, but I do see them being competitive and being above 500. They do have a breakout candidate coming up. Again, another name I can't pronounce, Ramon. Loreno, don't really know. He he played really well in AAA for them, and he has a great glove, and he can really throw the ball. I think that's going to be huge. He he can provide them with kind of the spark that they need, especially considering they're not going to get their number nine overall pick and Kyler Murray coming in. I think this guy out in the outfield will be a huge help. I just in the end, I don't see a whole lot of 
firepower there for the A's this year. Maybe they shock me and are able to hang around and stay for that wild card position. I don't foresee it. I think that they do see a little bit of a step back, as I said, and wouldn't be surprised to see them right around the 500 mark or just below it. As for the A's, it's really all I've got. There's just not a whole lot out there for them that's like big news that we need to really look at. Now we're going to talk about the Mariners over in Seattle. They revamped their offense and they have, as of right now, six new projected starters. We do see Edwin Encarnacion, who's expected to replace Nelson Cruz as the DH. Cruz was shipped out and there's only... One player that has had more home runs than Edwin Encarnacion since 2013, and that was Nelson Cruz. So I do think that they have kind of found their replacement for that DH spot. I do think that they made the right choice to bring him in. I do see a change coming from them from that position. He's not going to be as solid as Nelson Cruz was last year and as solid as he has been for his tenure over in Seattle. But I do think that that is a big bat that they get. They don't have James Paxton anymore. They also traded away the saves leader of Edwin Diaz. They really, I mean, those are two big arms that they lose. And they don't really have anyone coming in. They did end up getting Hunter Strickland. He had 14 saves last year for the Giants before he broke a hand. And I, I think that those two arms that they lose in Diaz and Paxton are going to be super hard to replace. I do see Seattle taking a big step back and really just not being super competitive this year. They'll be below 500. I would be shocked to see them at 500 or above. I don't foresee them finding a way to get above that 500 mark. They do have someone coming in from overseas. He's 27, Yasui Kikuchi. And, I mean, the Mariners, in case you don't know, do have a little bit of a history being successful and bringing over people from the Pacific, a.k.a. Ichiro Suzuki. He's going to have his innings limited because he's going from a six-man rotation where he was pitching to a probable five-man rotation, maybe a six-man coming in every once in a while. But that's that's going to be interesting to see how he comes over. He wasn't really talked about a whole lot and really kind of flew under the radar. I think that... For the upcoming seasons, not necessarily this year, but I do think in the upcoming seasons, the Mariners did get a steal with this guy. He, Like I said, he's only 27. He was a three-time All-Star over in Japan. So let's just kind of see how this goes for him and how it goes, not just for him, but for the team in general. Finally, we're going to head down to Texas. Unfortunately, we did see the end of an era. Adrian Beltre retired and left a gap. Uh, for the Rangers, and hopefully Estrubal Cabrera, I don't know why I cannot say his name, is going to be able to fill that void. It's going to be tough to actually fill the void of Adrian Beltre, just the way he went about the game. He was one of my favorite players to watch just because he always had fun. He, he was enjoying the game, and he just he had a good energy about him, and losing a player like that is going to be tough. Cabrera might be able to fill it. He might not. We'll have to see. He did hit 23 home runs. With the Mets and the Phillies. So let's see just kind of how this goes. It's going to be sad to go a year without Adrian Beltre, but we don't have the choice. The starting rotation for the Rangers is going to be really interesting. As of right now, all five projected starters have missed at least one full season due to injury. So it's going to be interesting just to see how their starting rotation is able to stay healthy. And if someone does get hurt in their starting rotation, 
who comes in to fill that spot? Who are they able to find someone that can come in for some spot starts and clean up that mess that's left over? They really, I mean, there's when it comes to the Texas Rangers, there's a lot in the rebuilding kind of process. They, I mean, Joey Gallo is obviously really good, and Estrubal Cabrera is good. I don't want to like make it seem like Estrubal Cabrera is not good, but they just they don't have a whole lot of talent like we've seen from Texas Rangers teams in the past. So I'm not expecting a whole lot from them this season. Joey Gallo is the king of three outcomes, as some as I read earlier. 56% of his plate appearances result either in a strikeout, a walk, or a home run, which is, I mean, that's just insane. So hopefully, hopefully we continue to see Joey Gallo at least play well, despite the rest of the team maybe not being the best, just because Joey Gallo is a good player to watch. He is always exciting to watch because you never really know what's going to happen, even though you can probably take a good guess that at least half of his appearances are going to end in a strikeout, a walk, or a home run. That's really all I've got for the Rangers. I'm not going to sit here and pound on them and pound on this division that's weaker towards the bottom, but pretty strong towards the top. I'm going to move on to the projected records. They've got Houston right now at the top, obviously, at 98 and 64. Oakland is projected at, to be second at 86 and 76. The Angels are going to be projected to be 82 and 80. The Mariners are projected to be 75 and 87, and then the Rangers are projected to be the cellar dwellers at 70 and 92. None of these teams are going to be at the bottom of the league, but none of them are going to be at the top of the league either. I do kind of project these standings to be relatively similar with Houston at the top and then Seattle and Texas down at the bottom. I am, however, going to flip-flop Oakland and the Angels. I just think that the Angels might be able to put something a little bit more together this year and get over that hump right there with the A's. I think that they finished second. I I foresee them being closer to the 86 win mark and Oakland being closer to the 80-82 win mark. Who really knows? I don't foresee anyone outside of Houston coming out of this division to go to the playoffs. And as for MVP candidates, it could go a lot of ways. I mean, you could say that Trout's going to be an MVP candidate. But he's just been so good for so long that even his average numbers, which are a lot better than most people's average numbers, are still not wowing people anymore just because he's done so much for so long. So that's why I didn't go with Trout in this situation. Otani, I don't think he's going to be able to do enough from that DH position to even warrant any consideration. I really think that the big MVP candidate possibility coming out of this division is going to be either Carlos Correa or Jose Altuve. I think coming back from the injuries that they had last year, they're going to really want to put their best foot forward. If I had to choose one of them to actually win it, I would probably say Jose Altuve just because of how integral he is to that team. That's really all I've got. I'm going to wrap it up here. Houston wins the division. Best option for an MVP coming out of here is going to be Jose Altuve. And that's all I've got. I'm going to start the NL next. So until next time, Enjoy the night and peace.